0: Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold.
1: Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Blazing the Path, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Knock If You Buck, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, Thunderous Applause, and the LA Hoops Report, plus our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. A couple more Cavs games in the books. Joining me here to break them down tonight, Dan Golinski. Dan, what's up, man?
2: Not a whole lot, Justin. Uh, how's, how's everything going?
0: Things are going well over here. I mean, Cavs are 3-1, and you can't complain about that unless you expected them to go 4-0, which maybe you did. I mean, they lost to the Knicks. Um, they beat the 76ers without Joel Embiid, but still a very good win. Uh, 118-94, to blew them out. And then last night, lose to the Knicks, 95-86, ending the undefeated streak. They are now 3-1, like I said. Uh, the Cavaliers in these games were without Isaac Okoro, Dylan Windler, Kevin Porter Jr. and Matthew Dellavedova, Vadova. and Kevin Love played nine minutes in the game against the 76ers before, I believe, straining his calf, and he's going to be out approximately a month, three, four weeks until he is, you know, reevaluated to see where he's at. Um, Overall, just from these two games, Dan, uh, any anything that stood out to you? Any just, you know, opening thoughts? Uh, obviously, you know, they, they were on fire against the 76ers and then just a complete 180 against the Knicks where, you know, I think you know, they were getting the shots they wanted. They just weren't getting them to fall.
2: Yeah, it was uh, – to me, I think both games, it was the ball movement yesterday um, or, or I guess in Tuesday's game um, – there were some instances where the, the ball stuck, but I think just in general thus far, I think we're seeing their the Cavs really are trusting the pass more. They got back in that game against the Knicks after that early deficit, mainly from doing so. And their I just think the ball pressure. Um, I, I get bead wasn't in, Embiid wasn't in there. But I just think the the ball pressure really has jumped out, and that's I, I credit Colin Sexton for that um, to an extent. I think he's shown growth there, and I think even Darius Garland has shown especially off ball growth. And there was a play he got kind of got in there against Julius Randle at kind of got switched on to him. And honestly, I thought it was a charge. They called it a block. But I thought, I just think those two specifically are showing growth there. And you just see the, they're trusting the pass more. And that's that's really shown.
0: Yeah, looking at those two guys, uh, Colin in the first game had 22 points, 13, or 13, three rebounds, three assists. Uh, in the second game, 20 points, two rebounds, four assists. Darius had 14 points and seven assists in the first game, 17, 5, and 6 in the second. Um, You know, both of them obviously showing tremendous progress. That's been, you know, kind of one of the storylines here early on throughout the entire, you know, season up to this point. Like you said, both of them showing really, I thought, a lot of progress on the defensive end. Um, Darius almost looks like he might, like – Obviously, coming into the season, we had talked about, you know, Collins bulked up a little bit. You know, he's going to be stronger. He's going to be able to fight through screens a little bit more. You know, how does he read the defense? That's a question. But, you know, maybe there's, you know, a road to this guy being respectable on defense. I did not think that we were going to see that from Darius Garland. And I thought that, you know, as up to this point, he has looked also, I mean, I'm not going to say like really super good, but very competent on that end, which was, again, just something like I expected him to be pretty much a career bad defender. And that, Again, might not be the case. Um, obviously, both smaller guards. But if that's something that you know both of them can keep up, which I don't have any real reason to believe that neither of them can, um, you know, how, how do you feel just about the, the progress that they made on defense? And is that something that you know they can? That you think that they can kind of carry the momentum there going forward?
2: Yeah, I, I really uh, think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I, I just think with Garland. Is he going to be a plus defender at some point? That's, again, looking onward, it's it's tough to tell if that's ever going to be a possibility. But I just think with him, it's um, reading things out better. I think just watching the games, he seems to be kind of more aware of the scouting report for guys. He's not overcrowding players. And Elfren Payton, I mean, to his credit, made some key shots yesterday, but... Uh, or, or Tuesday rather, and I just think it was smart, of Garland, to give him those. The guy's not a proven; his career has not been a shooter, really, of any respectability. I thought he sagging off him, looking to help to kind of deny entry passes was smart. Um, and even against Derek Rose, Rose made some plays on him, but he's he's a veteran. He knows how to score. He, he's always been a, a capable driver, and I, I still think Garland did a. a Decent job on him on a number of occasions. And I, I just think with both of them, I think they're starting to figure out how to re, uh, take better angles off the ball to um, kind of stay attached better. And I just think they're showing more willingness to um, kind of get into guys. And that we ha- didn't see much of Garland at all last season. And is he drastically like bulked up? No, but you can tell the. Frame is is definitely more toned up, and I think that's played into it.
0: Yeah, he's just moving better overall. And talking about reading defenses, they're both reading offenses better as well. I mean, obviously they're both scoring the ball well, but you know, Darius we've seen put up in the, in these past couple games tens You know, I think did he have twelve assists against the Pistons? Yeah, I think it was a
2: yeah, it was career high twelve. Yeah,
0: yeah, twelve, and then had you know seven two nights or two games ago six last game. Again, you know, someone who kind of had questions as, is he just going to always be a score first guard? That's probably the answer. To that's probably still yes. But, you know, I mean, he's showing that capability to where, you know, he can can find guys on that end. And I think Colin is doing to a lesser degree the same thing. Um, he had three assists, four assists in these past few games. That's not drastically different than what he's you know shown in the past from him. But um I, I think just overall, you know, he's not missing some of the obvious ones that, you know, you expect him at least, you know, last season you would expect him to miss because he did all the time. I think, you know, he had a really nice wraparound pass to I believe it was Andre against the Knicks. Um and just, you know, he's had a few of those this season where, you know, just making really good reads and actually making some pretty impressive passes that we just haven't seen from him in the past.
2: Yeah, and for so that I think Bickerstaff deserves uh, a lot of credit for that, and and/or the player development staff. Um, I just you'd think that he'd get or not continually get grilled for the lack of production, and and yeah, like potential assists are not exactly the biggest indicator of passing growth. But I think with Colin, it it definitely is showing that he's seeing the floor better and he he's not just forcing things. He's, um, even as a scorer, I think it, it's been more, uh, organic in how he's gone about his business, which, um, the la the first year we didn't see that uh, enough. And even last year, the first half of the year, he was still forcing things more, but it, it doesn't again, seem to be the case this year. And, and, those wraparound passes are really have been beauties and I I just hope that continues
0: looking at this kind of you know we'll, we'll kind of do this with a lot of different players here but looking at just you know are the Cavs good is this level of play that they're at sustainable are are these particular you know points of production as far as just defensive progress and playmaking progress do you think that these things are sustainable do you think we'll see a drop off as the season goes on
2: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think I don't remember what the Cavs assist rate is right now, but I think it's maybe top three still. I I wouldn't expect that to be the case, Um, but and we'll have to see as far as roster decisions um, moving forward. How is um, KPJ going to affect things? Is is he going to continue to grow as playmakers? I think he will, but I I just think that's not realistic. But I, I just. I don't see why it's. I think the Cavs being top twelve in assist rate. I don't think that's out of the question, and that would be show considerable growth. So I I think that's fairly reasonable to say.
0: And just looking at you know just one more quick note on Darius in particular is just I think that he has found his shot in the NBA. Being that kind of you know, quick twitch, you know, get the guy off you for just a second and throw up the floater. Um, you know, one of my points of emphasis for him coming into the season was, you know, trying to get to the line more, trying to just draw more contact. I'm kind of going back on that a little bit now because I think he's proven that. I mean, he's the free throw numbers still aren't great for him, and I, I don't know that they ever will be at this point because I think again he's found a shot that works for him. He can still get into the lane. He can still, you know, draw defenses in. He's just not drawing that contact. But he is finishing with those floaters. So, you know, I think that that's something that. That we're gonna see a lot of from him moving forward, and I think he, like I said, I think he kind of found the shot that works best for him, which is something that again he didn't really have last year. So overall, just a lot of growth from from both of them.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, it is with with Garland. It's tough to say if he's ever gonna be um, a, a guy that's gonna have nearly the free throw volume of Sexton, but that's not i mean with how he's progressed it's not necessarily shown that it's going to be a huge detriment to him and with that improved quickness i think his his finishing in the restricted area has been leaps and bounds already better than i thought it would be and we'll have to see how sustainable that can be but i it the rim, i think he's finishing like 50% better and which is and he's been pretty close to league average so I mean, if this early, I wouldn't have expected it to be to have, I guess, shown that much. But um, if if he finishes that more efficiently or at least uh, kind of normal, if that kind of caught, I guess, kind of counteracts the lack of free throws in itself.
0: Anyway, uh, we'll move on to another player, Larry Nance, who in these two games put up 13, four, five and two steals against the Sixers. Nine six three four 4 steals, 2 blocks against the Knicks. He started the game, well, he started both the games, but he started the game against Philadelphia at, at small forward alongside Kevin Love. Um, I think, you know, easily showing himself as the most versatile player on the team and really another, a huge reason that, you know, we look at this Cavs defense and just how impressive they've been, you know, compared to expectations this year. Larry Nance has been... You know, I mean, he's not the only reason. There's been a lot of guys who have showed improvement, but been a huge reason for that. You know, just showing that versatility, being able to guard, you know, most positions at this point. Um, obviously, had a lot of you know just plays where he gets into the lane and picks off passes, or at least just get to hand on it. Um, overall, you know, we've gotten a big enough sample size, I think, at this point of Larry Nance at the three next to two bigs. You liking it? Any any thoughts just about where that's at, you know, overall?
2: Yeah, I like it, uh, especially if you're playing, um, if Okoro's banged up, and against Philly particularly, uh, without Isaac in there, it was kind of a no-brainer to me. I think the Cap. well, I would say ideally if he's – I don't know. I think still bigger staff. He might not say it publicly, but I think he knows that. Ideally, Jetty is not going to be a starter very often, and I just think he understands that. And yeah, with Nance, we we've seen the against a good amount of threes. He he can guard, and he's he's not like the longest guy for six seven in the world, but he he's another one that uses his length well. And just with his off-ball instincts, he's, he's going to be able to do damage there. And I, I think it, especially with his passing ability and ability to rebound in both ends and just the chemistry he seems to already have with both the uh, young guards, I, I think it's, it's something that they definitely can have in a number of instances.
0: At this point, it's just like I, I don't have that much to say. About Larry Nance, you know, episode to episode, because at this point it's just been consistently this, you know, what we're seeing from him. It's just basically whether he's starting or coming off the bench, that's the only, you know, real difference in his play. But, um, I mean, you have to think that, you know, what he's doing is sustainable. Any disagreements there?
2: No, not really. And he, he didn't have a great, I objectively the greatest game against the Knicks, but... I still thought, I mean, Julius Randle made a ton of jumpers. I don't know how many he made, yeah. but I mean, him going 4-4 four four from three point, the th- from three, like, I thought, Nance's, I, I thought Nance's defense honestly was good. I mean, he played to the scouting report, got four steals, think like he had two blocks. It's, it's not like he didn't do anything on that end. And just, again, such a good passer, didn't shoot well in that game, but that's pretty rare. And he, he missed shots that he. Uh, I mean, all the guys really miss shots that they often would make. And just regardless, whenever he's out there, he's going to make things happen. And his handle continues to be improved to
0: me. Yeah, obviously, in the the short period of time that we've had to watch the Cavs play this year, they've struggled against the Knicks all year long. But um, Julius Randle, you're you're not going to see that from Julius Randle every night. You know, usually what his game is, is more of just, you know, Volleyball. Get those, yeah. Get those paint touches and just bowl your way to the rim and score your points that way. It seemed like all of his points were coming off of you know mid range post ups, you know, to where he's ending in a in a mid range shot or like a dribble up pulling you know mid range shot or you know like you said he shot four threes and made them all. Like you're not going to get that every night from Julius Randle. I, I don't know. If he's feeling it, I don't know what you're supposed to do with Larry. You know, if you're Larry Nance in that situation, so I don't think that that's a cause for concern at all.
2: Yeah, and I mean, he had 11 assists, but a, a number of those, it was just like, like they made a number of shots, like late, late shot clock too. And I'm not gonna, uh, there were guy like I don't know how many were up Telford for Payton, but there were a fair amount of those too. I, I it's. Some of it, honestly, I think it was just honest was frankly coincidence. So I I thought he played well, all things considered, and and the Cavs pretty much know what they have in the ants at this point.
0: And are well, we say gotta, that in, in like a negative way? No, no, not at all. I mean, like we said, we we've seen it pretty much all season up to this point. Like you, you know what you're getting from him on a night on a nightly basis, which yeah is not a bad thing. Uh, we'll get to Andre now. In the game against the Sixers, again, you know, they were without Joel Embiid, who has given Andre some trouble in the past, but had 24 points, 14 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. And then in this game against the Knicks, 18 points, 17 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, and 6 blocks. Is Andre Drummond on track to be an All-Star, Dan? I mean, that's what we're looking like right now. He's been the Cavs' best player up to this point. Um, I think the stupid plays, while they're still there a little bit, have dialed back, especially since the preseason. You know, I mean, I can live with like one Andre three a game at this point. Like, I kind of expect that it's OK. It goes in one out of every four or five times. Again, if you're only shooting one, it's not the worst thing in the world. But um again, six blocks last night, you know, a lot of just a lot of big defensive plays from him in general over the past few games. Again, one of the bigger reasons that this team has been, you know, pretty good defensively, I believe. Do you think that he can sustain this level of room protection and just this level of, you know, defensive play overall? I think it comes down to just, you know, how focused is he?
2: Yeah, I it's it's hard to say. I think some of it has also been the schedule. Um is he going to be nearly as effective if like if Joel Embiid's in that game? To me, I, I think he gets in foul trouble pretty early. And again, the Knicks, credit to them, they got that W, but and they made shots, but and Drummond, yeah, you're I guess one three a game isn't the is probably to be expected. But the other day I, I think it was with like under three minutes left that he took that three, and that thing had no chance in you know of going in and it's the timing of those odd plays is still baffling at times. Like he still does the same mistakes and my God, how many five foot floaters is he not even going to be close (laughs) to hitting? And it's, it's like Andre, if you're like Mitchell Robinson is not an easy guy to shoot over. And it's like, he just bangs his head against the wall So often and misses so many. I I don't think he missed. It was. I mean, he had made plays defensively, sure, but all star player. It's. I just don't see it. And the Cavs are going to have losses pile up. That's that's going to. It's inevitable. Um. In in this next game, they have this is whenever this is going up. Um. They have Indy. How is he going to look against Sabonis and and Miles Turner? To me, I think he's going to have a. Big foul trouble in that one. And I don't know. He still gambles way too often. Made an unnecessary foul. Uh, I can't. When the Cavs are starting to make a run again and kind of cutting it close in the fourth, just too many of those plays you see throughout games. And I I applaud him. He's played very well um, as a rim protector. He's been active. And I I think with him more, I think it's just as a rotator um, kind of, not the stuff that doesn't show up in the basic box score as much, just kind of shutting off lanes. We've seen that thus far, but how how long is that going to be the case if the Cavs have losses pile up? I question that. Um, but, I, again, I give him his roses thus far. He's been active on the interior. He's an unbelievable rebounder. Some of the, the one-on-three and even four rebounds he gets are, are something else, truly. Um, and he's such a, a big body in there, but again, uh, yeah, he'll get four assists, but he'll have five turnovers and I'm not a big turnover guy. I'm not one of those people, but the turnovers he has are just inexcusable. And I just, I'll, we'll have to see how long this lasts.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say one more, one more question that I had for you was, I assume that we, we both want a couple less Andre Drummond post-touches a game and just overall, you know, give him the ball in the paint and let him work. You know, if he can get by the guy and get a dunk, great, but way, way, way too many just, you know, horrible bricks on, again, like you said, those five, six-footers. Well, it's it's hard to say. I mean, it depends on the situation. Like, I don't know.
2: Against Detroit, it seemed like they were kind of banging – he was banging his head against the wall, but – the floor is spread for him, and the one plus out of that is it does conserve clock, um, and when he gets to the line, it stops that, and even against the Knicks, I can't really blame him in that way, but you just – the lack – or the free-throw shooting history is not great, and he just misses too many shots that should be and ones. frankly, um, for a guy that is – that is as strong as he is, he just misses too many of those. And the problem is you would think too many times, like, he he misses kickouts. Like, he'll still – I mean, I understand they're five-footers, but he shoots them over three guys. Uh, too many of the offensive rebounds he gets because of the lack of touch, you'd want him to make kickouts more extra passes to Garland or Sexton, especially if they're rolling. And there were too many times in that Knicks game where he missed those passes. And it, I, I thought it kind of – and even Austin Carr even said, like, you got to see that pass. And I just – yeah, we, they probably be, in the long run would be better just getting him low post seals, but more organically, not just feeding him the ball 16 feet out where he's just going to go into a wall. And the problem is offensive fouls will start to pile up when teams kind of start to anticipate that more too – and, again, I just – I hope that we'll kind of – I'm with you there. It would be nice if they could kind of rein back that a little bit.
0: How do you feel about the Andre Drummond, you know, taking the ball off the defensive rebound and running with it in transition? Like No. Zero. No, not at all? Zero? Never. Never. Uh, like, that okay. was a, a nice play
2: that we all remember, the nice tic toe kind of garland BTB to Nance. Yeah. That was great. Uh, like, if it's there, if it's like already like kind of going over half court, and there's three guys with him, okay. But not like rim to rim. That is not what he does. Like he he's, that style. could that is almost in, like that is almost like you need to come out of the game immediately the next whistle bat because it very rarely he just like kind of gets it to the the guard lead guard there it's he's always going to try to like do something that he can't do and it's just it's just head scratching and that's that's not going to help him get a contract I, I don't know
0: when it ends in a lob which it has on plenty of occasions you know that's one of the head scratchers you know but um i don't know like i think he's you know there've been enough times now to like you said like on the you know the tic tac toe play i think there's been some others where he I'm okay with him you know just bringing it up and seeing if there's an obvious play to make I guess if he tries to make a play himself you know and kind of force things that's where it gets bad but I think that there is some value in having a center that can at least you know not under pressure but just off a defensive rebound and kind of bring the ball up the floor and you know eliminate that time I guess of getting it to a guard and just seeing if you like I said seeing if you have something available I think it can work sometimes. Obviously, I don't like it when it ends in a lob or you know him trying to thread the needle. But I don't hate it all the time with him. Yeah,
2: it's uh, it's it's a tough caveat just because the ifs with Drummond are big the ifs, ifs are and that's, yeah. That's yeah. just the problem I have. Been, I'm all for pushing pace, like I'm a huge proponent of it. But it, you just you got to be smart about it and. Unfortunately, with him, he it's not just like you're trying to conserve shot clock. It's, it's like Andre is going to try to play make. And it's, it gets a little case, dicey. It often ends in a live ball turnover going the other way, and then he doesn't get back. And then you lose your rim protection there. Or in almost even, like, a better scenario, he throws, like, that Kevin Knox pass the other day where it was in, like, the 10th row. Like, that's almost a better About outcome.
0: six feet over his head. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, I just – it just makes me nervous. That's all.
0: It's understandable. It's fair. But uh, I, I I don't know. I think it's too early to, you know, say that we can't do it with him. I think we got to start the, the, all- the Andre Drummond All-Star campaign. I think it's got to start at some point before it's too late, you know.
2: Well, yeah, I guess, I mean, if that's, uh, J.B. Biggerstaff wants agenda list basketball, but I guess if that's your agenda, go for it.
0: You gotta, you gotta go for it, man. I'm I'm here with it. But um, we'll move on. Uh, Good stuff from Andre. Overall, I, I've been, overall, I gotta say I've been happy with what Andre has done. He, he looks fully engaged,
2: though. Like, I'll, yes, I'll exactly. completely give him that, almost too engaged in, in that sense. Yeah, but like, I'll, I think, take, I'll take that alternative as opposed to the other.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, we, we talk about sustainability with him. I just think it's how engaged is he going to be? How focused is he going to be? I think as long as this team is still winning games, he's going to be there. But when, this, when, when things kind of start to slow down a little bit and the losses maybe pile up a little bit, how does he look then? I think that's where you get a little bit concerned. Yeah, and I, I
2: just hope that,
0: sans love I hope that the engagement is still there because we're we're gonna need it yeah and to be fair it has been up to this point I mean we've spent enough time without love and he looks
1: good hey hoopheads! we all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often ankle injuries are the number one sports related injury arise is trying to change that with the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off.
0: We'll move on to Love. Uh, Like we said earlier, had a calf strain out three to four weeks. I mean, we saw him for eight minutes and 50 seconds against the Sixers, you know, had a few points, but um, didn't really, you know, didn't shoot the ball well, which has kind of been a trend up to this point in the season for him. Obviously, we know what Kevin Love is. We know what he's capable of bringing. How do you feel about, you know, we're going to be seeing a month without Kevin Love, um, Larry Nance has been playing well. I mean, Kevin Love is someone who I, I don't, again, full, dis- you know, disclaimer I don't expect Kevin Love to be traded this season. We've said that plenty of times. But how do you like his just fit overall with this roster right now? How do you like his fit on the floor? Um, d- does, does he still have a, a big role in the future on this team, do you believe? <sighs>
2: um, it's it's difficult to say. I, I think it's too early to tell. Like with these specific pieces, uh, to me, um, given the ascension of like this sex land duo and how more minutes alongside KPJ would go, um, I, I still like to s- would like to see him with Windler. Like if both are able to go. I still think that duo could really be very formidable, like in, in spurts. I think the off ball possibilities there are endless, especially with a guy that can secondary play make with a, in a coro, that sort of uh, thing too. Um, I, I still think this season we'll see him have a big role when he is good. Again, we'll have to see how the reevaluation ends up um, uh, and for Windler too. But, yeah, I think after this season, I think it's it just seems more and more likely that he'd eventually be dealt. But I don't know, it, it was it's interesting you, you kind of bring that sort of, I guess, point up before. Like, I don't know who the – I can't remember the guy's name, but he, he's on Twitter. as like com
0: or something. Real Cavs fans him. or whatever, yeah. Yeah, that's it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he basically said, I, I thought, like, a very fair point. And I, I think it was before the like, exactly, like, the timeline came out for his injury. Like, he basically said that the Cavs need to have, a sit, like, a hard sit-down conversation with Love about how he pretty much, like, needs to be a bench player. And it doesn't – I don't think it will ever happen but it really feel like he basically said, like, nobody's trading for love. And, again, we'll have to see. But I, I think after the season, when he has two years left, I think it's a possibility, like, a good possibility he could be moved. But it, it doesn't sound like the worst idea in the world just because of how Nance is playing right now. But I just – I always – I'm just, like, a little hesitant to that because, A, like, I don't want to just, like, completely lose love and just have – like him checked out or whatever. But I mean, if they'd never had that conversation, it might be just organically something that maybe he'd buy into. I I mean, if they continue to play pretty well, maybe he actually would kind of lean into it uh, over time. Like if they kind of gradually work that in, but to me, I think it's more reasonable. Like when he is healthy, if, and when for him to just play maybe like 27 minutes, not, Thirty-five. Like, I think that is more realistic. And and just because Nance I don't see as a long-term starter, like, necessarily right away, just because he's shown the ability to play the three, like, legitimately, I think that's kind of more the thing. But who knows? Maybe Love will end up sitting around because, I mean, he's lasted this long, so maybe –
0: it's an interesting point, you're talking about Kevin Love off the bench, just because I was, I was going to mention. And Mark you have,
2: Schindler actually said that way before, like in our, our from way long ago. Yeah, talking about Mark. I didn't, know if, I didn't yeah. know if he really thought that like right away. Like I think this, the way that dude painted it, it seemed like he wants that like right away. It's It's at least something I think they should talk to him about though, like at least long term.
0: Yeah, overall I still don't see it as being realistic. I just don't think Kevin Love would buy into that. I don't either. But it's definitely a conversation, like you said, to be had. Um yeah. with the way that Larry Nance has played, with the way the defense has looked, I think again, like I've said before, Larry is a big part of that. And I, I don't know, it just it just Kevin Love, I feel like you have to kind of at this point on a team like this, you kind of have to play his way a little bit. And whereas with Larry, he can just kind of fit into things a little bit better. Yeah, and he can if, play if, multiple styles. I, 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 I'm yeah. 100% with you in that way. And coming off the bench, I think that Kevin could play his way a little bit more. I think he could do exactly what he wants to do in a role with, you know... So you think it could be kind of similar, like how it is with been with Jenny, maybe? In a sense, um, like... I don't know. With Jetty, I, I, I don't think it's the exact same. Like Jetty doesn't need you know to have well, not like, as much a, of a bunch of offensive touches. touches. Yeah, yeah, I got. You. But I mean the same in the sense of yeah. Like I, I think that you know both of them could. In well, I, I think we've proven at this point that Jetty can kind of benefit from a bench roll. But I think the same could be said for Love. Um, <laughs> do I expect that to happen? No. And again, like I'm not. I'm not lobbying for it, but it's definitely, like you said, the conversation to be had. Um, it's an interesting one. Yeah. I just wanted to get into one quick trade, too, just because I've kind of seen it flowing around. Um, I don't know exactly how I feel about it, but it's it's definitely something. Um, over, over the offseason, before Al Horford got traded to the Thunder, um, I had kind of suggested the possibility of doing something like a love for Horford swap for that team. Uh, I, I think that Kevin Love would fit in really well with Philly. Um, just another guy who can play make and who can stretch the floor for Ben and Joel uh, can grab rerounds. Well, um, you know, the can defense. be Another
2: injury prone big too.
0: Can be another. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> that wasn't exactly what I was going for, but you do have that as well. But again, you know, defensively a little bit limited, but that can be made up for by guys like Ben and Joel, as long as you have, you know, a couple other guys who are at least fair enough on defense, which I think they have. But um, I, again, I've seen floating out there now, um, Kevin Love for Tobias Harris. Obviously we know what Kevin Love is on as far as a contract, three more years, including this one, at around $30 million a season. Tobias Harris making a little bit more money, uh, $34 million this year, 36 next, 37 dollars the year after that, and then 39 So an extra year on that deal and a lot more money. In a deal like this, I think the appeal for the Sixers is, you know, you're getting off some of that long-term money. You're still going to be a really expensive team. You know, Kevin Love is still an expensive player, and you're still going to have to pay a lot, but not as much and not as far in the future. Um, For the Cavs, I'm assuming that, like, in this deal, I'm also assuming the Cavs get an asset back. We'll just say a first-round pick. I don't really know what it would be. But um, the Cavs take on a little bit of salary but get an asset for Kevin Love – you know, which is something that they've said they wanted. They get someone who's a little bit younger. Um, like I think, obviously, this is a horrible deal for Tobias Harris. Like you, everybody knew that this contract was going to come back to bite Philly as soon as he signed it. But I think by the time you know that he's on the last year of this contract, he'll still be young enough to where he can contribute to a team. And if you get the right scenario, like maybe you can flip that for something by the end. And, you know, it's not like you're just getting rid of Kevin Love for nothing. You're getting a starting caliber, basically power forward in yeah. return for him. So you, if this team, you know, say that they were to do this trade right now, which, again, they're not going to do. But if they decided that they wanted to, you could bring a guy like Tobias Harris in here and say, hey, this is still a team that, you know, we're rolling right now. And we feel like we can keep rolling with Tobias. You know, this is another guy we can plug in and be competitive with. How do you like... The potential of a, a love fit in Philly compared to Tobias Harris, because that's kind of where I get a little bit iffy with it. Like I said, they get off a little bit of money, but like, how, how do you, just the production level between Harris and Love for Philly? So you're saying, like, how do
2: I think it Love would fit in there?
0: Yeah, like compared to, to Tobias' perspective. Harris. Yeah, from Philly's perspective. Well. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying uh, in, in terms of the financial side. I think that's kind of the key for them, is just the year less or, or whatnot. But I don't know. I, at least with Harris, like the one not problem with Alov is on the ball. It's At this point, it's, I, don't know. I mean, in mid post situations, he's good, but not really. Like at least Harris can. I mean, he can create for himself more. Like it's not as like he. You can kind of just roll the ball out for him. He can go get you some some baskets on the ball. Just can do a little bit in pick and roll. Like is a ball handler love. That's that's not really the case. Um, it's it's more so just kind of step back, sidestep threes here and like on occasion just after he gets a guy to blow by him. Um, I think it's. I mean, I guess from a. Rebounding and or the key with him, I think is it's not as much on the ball. I think it's more just how he can play make more than Harris. I think it's more just has better vision. But I think it's honestly kind of a lateral move um, in that sense. I I don't really see it helping the Sixers all that much. Maybe as many other people do. Just because I, I mean, yeah, Love is one of the better shooting bigs in the league. But Harris, and I know – I think he shot like thirty-two percent from deep last season. But is that really going to happen again this year? No, I don't see that happening. He's
0: a better shooter than thirty-two percent.
2: Well, I, last year I think he shot thirty-two percent from three. Um,
0: well, I'm saying like just in general, but though, he's, like, he's not. Yeah. Like, like he's you don't just, look he's at a him and say thirty-two. Yeah, yeah, he's a floor spacer, and. I just –
2: when you factor in Love's injury history and injury right now, I just – for them, I don't see how that really makes them any better. I I mean, I just – I don't know how – given the defensive issues, I I don't know if Love is a guy that – with bigger miniature, like how – are they that much better with him as opposed to Harris? I don't really see it. And I think it kind of – ends up having Simmons kind of just force-feed it to love a lot. Um, and he needs his mid-post touches too. I, I just I don't see that really helping them that much, um, just because Harris can do more on the ball at this point.
0: Well, we, we kind of talked about Harris a little bit already, but I'll flip it around. How do you like just Harris' fit next to some other pieces in Cleveland?
2: Oh, I love it. I, I If I were the Cavs, I mean, I'd do this deal for sure. Uh, and as you said, it's, we'll have to see if it actually were to materialize which you wouldn't think it would
0: but yes he isn't cheap as we know but he's not just not cheap but he's tremendously expensive yeah yeah no doubt but
2: again what kind of free agency are the Cavs like really going to have when push comes to shove next year I don't I really don't know um it's really going to depend on continued progression from here, which again, is, is a question mark for one. But I like Harris probably more than most people do. Uh, was he signed for too big of a deal? Yeah. There's there's no if, ands, or buts about that. But for the Cavs, I think he can fit in with a number of pieces. He could f- play at the 3 and 4. Uh, I think like him in a two-man game with larry Ants would be awesome for one. I, I think Drummond could set a number of off-ball screens for him, where he could fire off, uh, and he he can play. He can be kind of a tertiary playmaker for you. Solid rebounder too. Uh, can I don't know? He's he's to an extent kind of a matchup issue uh, for a number of teams, just because he can play the three and four legitly. And I think in the open floor, he's very good. He's solid when he can get downhill and. I, I like his game a lot. I think he's kind of got kind of like a schoolyard game in a way, just but can make plays, be impactful on and off the ball, and defensively is, he's not great, no, but is positionally fairly sound and has
0: length. So I, for the Cavs, I, I would I would be a fan of it. So if we're gonna play the the NBA Twitter favorite game of who says no to the trade, are you saying? In a trade of Kevin Love for Tobias Harris, and we'll just go with a first round pick. Sixers say no. Yeah, I would.
2: <sighs> yeah, probably. Oh shit! Shoot. Yeah, I guess. I guess Cavs say no because they've said no to Love stuff at this point. It seems, and just the extra year. So I'll yes, say,
0: I'll say. I guess I'll say Cavs
2: come to think of it. but.
0: Do you think the Cavs would would bargain for a higher price, like a higher asset? Like, is it a first round pick, or do you want Tyrese well, pretty, Maxson? Do you want Matisse Thibault? Do you want that's a pretty, like pretty?
2: Um, yeah, you know what? I mean, I guess because they have how they've been able to prove to acquire other assets. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Would you rather have a future Sixers first rounder or Thibault? I. I it's, I know, it's kind of slim errors to me. I, I Probably, probably rather, viable. Yeah, me too. But I don't think – it seems like the Sixers are really high and viable. I don't think they would do that, though. But I don't, I also don't think they would go up a future run, too. I just – I really don't. I don't
0: know. Because, it just seems like the Sixers might have to do something here. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that it's time for the Sixers to panic. Like, obviously, the season just but started. Why? why is – I mean, why would?
2: So do you think that love makes them better in the playoffs than Harris? I I, I in kinda the playoffs, don't I kinda don't.
0: I I kinda is it, the big concern with me is health. But I kinda well, do think if, that yeah. and, and that is a very big if and that's why I kinda hesitate if I'm Philly. But I think I I trust him more than Harris. Harris hasn't been that great in the playoffs. Like he really hasn't been what they've needed. How many need. opportunities has he had? Is it two? I get or oh, he was like, initially with the Pistons back in the day too. Yeah, I but think. it's just like I don't know. I, I feel like he's just kind of been a slightly underwhelming in the playoffs. Which oh, yeah. uh, you know that's at fair. times Kevin Definitely Love has fair. been as well. But yeah, that's overall, the thing, I think like
2: I don't. Yeah, Love's playoff track record is really not great either.
0: But I, I I think a lot of times you can look at like the finals being where like he really got bogged down against the Warriors. I think in some earlier rounds he had some you know really good performances. But overall, I don't really know. I guess I might say the Sixers say no, but the Cavs say yes to this one. Even with taking on all that extra money, I just think the the first rounder would, or I'll just say the asset because I really have no clue would be would be valuable enough to, to get back.
2: Yeah, well, I guess if you if they did do that, you think that would kind of solidify the Drummond would be extended. That's that's like the hesitation that I have. I, I'm not. I'm still not sure. Well,
0: what is the number for a Drummond extension? Because if you trade for Tobias Harris, your team all of a sudden got a lot more expensive too.
2: Yeah, I, like maybe I don't know. Maybe they should just not because we haven't really seen the love Drummond pairing like. At all. all that much. <laughs> yeah, we really and haven't. I think that honestly is still for the calves sake, just where they are, I think is more intriguing than than Harris. Because if you do deal for Harris, like what what's what are the moves, like next steps from there? I mean, are you banking on getting a a top six pick in the next draft because you essentially need to?
0: Yeah. Well, before we get into the rest of the roster, we have a few guys to talk about still. I got to tell you about Thrive Fantasy. Basketball is back, and it is the perfect time to come prop up on Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about top-tier top, top tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup Each option has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under, based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. The Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018, and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. Go download the Thrive Fantasy app today, or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started, Use the promo code KLOVE, like Kevin Love, K-L-O-V-E, KLOVE, when you get when you sign up, and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of twenty dollars or more. That's free money, essentially. If you're into sports betting, I would recommend it. You get an extra $50. That's totally worth it. So sign up and prop up today. Dan, how about we talk about Jetty Osmond now? We got to talk about Jetty at some point. How do you feel about, I guess, Jetty at this point? I think had a good game. You know, It's had a strong start to the season. Uh, 14 points, two rebounds, two assists against Philly off the bench in a starting role against New York in a game in which, admittedly, everybody struggled shooting. Jetty had six points, one rebound, or one assist, three rebounds, and shot two of 12 from the field. Um We talk about sustainability. I feel like Jetty is one of the easier points to look at and say, hey, is that shooting really real? I mean, look at what he just did tonight or, you know, a couple nights ago at this point. Where are you at with Jetty? You know, do you think that the shooting is going to fall back down to earth? Do you think he's going to recover from this game? Well, I think it just shows that the Cavs need a
2: Coro back. Um, two of 12, uh, again, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna grill him for that just because the, they're, I think Darius Garland basically said, like, take the lid off the rim. Like, they, that's, that's what was the case in that game. Um, but with Jetty, it's, there's, you see some flashes that are really encouraging still. And and we saw him last season, but it's, I just think against starting caliber players, like it's it's and it's not as though it's not as if Reggie Bullock was is an all-NBA defender by any stretch. So it just comes back down to I, against starters, I just see very limited on ball creation from him. And people I like his passing, but I don't it's it's not anything spectacular or anything like that. It's it's more so like movement sense. But like Winler has better, much better vision, and Jetty is can make some high level passes here and there. Or you see flashes of it. He's um, seems to make good decisions in transition. The efficiencies, I mean, when you look at larger sample sizes, is pretty average. But I just defensively, I, the off ball feel to me has not progressed at all. At all. And I just – like, what – even the last play before half.
0: Yeah, where Reggie Bullock just walked right by him. Don't
2: guard Alfred Payton with one point, whatever it was, five seconds left. Take Bullock away. He's a shooter. Like, he is – has
0: proven to be a high-level shooter off the catch in this league. Well, he proved it last – I keep saying last night, but two nights ago, I mean, he lit the Cavs up and – Right, I mean, Jetty. I mean, there was a full like two and a half seconds, I think, left. It seemed like Jetty just thought there was like a half second left, he just kind of gave up. And you
2: see those issues too often in games. And this is year four now, and you just continually see it takes bad angles off the ball, doesn't just doesn't have like seems like pretty rudimentary instincts that you just don't. And, and honestly, like, overhelps at times, too. I think almost to, like, overcompensate for the lack of, I guess, lack of lateral fluidity. Um, and I just – he's painted as, a, like, an intelligent player. And offensively, I think he is to a degree. But to me, the more we've seen him play, the more – I like him in that bench kind of if he can't initiate role. Some, but I to me it's been more of he needs to play against bench players, and that's and he's not a closing time player. That's just the more I watch, that's what I see.
0: I I think it's fair to say that we've we've kind of seen at this point. It's proven that Jetty is more comfortable coming off the bench. I think just going up against bench players is better for him. I don't know if his rhythm is just better coming off the bench than it is in the starting lineup, but I, I think – It's almost like I, a Jeff
2: Green sense to me. It just seems that he has an impact more when it can be stretches off the bench more than
0: be like an every,
2: like a starter type because in theory you think he's versatile, but when you, in actuality it's against starters he's just frankly not.
0: Jeff Green can also play center. Jetty can't play power forward. So, well, I'm not
2: saying like he's multi-positional, yeah. versatile, but can do kind of a mixed bag of things. But I think it's not even close. Like people try to paint it in the sense of like Larry Nance, and that's just that's just not accurate.
0: We'll move on to a different bench piece. Uh JaVale McGee, who has you know continued to look very good uh, against the Sixers, had seven points. Six rebounds, two assists, two blocks, and then against the Knicks, he got 11 points, nine rebounds, a uh, steal and a block. The theme of the episode is sustainability, Dan. JaVale McGee has now made three threes in the last three games, one three per game. Do we expect more on the way?
2: Uh Sure. I mean, why not? <laughs> I guess the Cavs tweeted out it's, like, regular scheduled JaVale 3 tweet, so, I, sure. I don't know. I mean. No, but I, not really, no. But, yes. Okay, he's going to shoot him if, if it's, I don't know, It's never looks good. But I think a couple, I think at least one of them was just, like, the end of the shot clock, though.
0: Maybe one of them, but a few. Uh, the other two, for sure, were not like he just had the open look. It, it, in the Knicks game, it was when the cows were reeling a little bit, and he just said, "I'm pulling this," and he milled, he made it. I, I like it. I like it a little bit, uh, not a lot, but um, overall, like I, I'm kind of in the same. I, I'm, I have the same opinion here as I have with Drummond. Like, if you're open, you have won a game. Take one a game if you make it great. If not, you know, I don't expect you to make it, but if it's just one shot a game, I think it's not going to be the end of the world. In and in the Knicks situation, you know, the Cavs, again, like I said, were kind of reeling. That JaVale 3 gave them a little bit of life. Obviously, they didn't end up coming back, but I, I don't hate it completely. Now, if you start getting overconfident and you make one and then you think you have a rhythm, which you don't, and you take two more, which are, you know, undoubtedly going to miss... That's where I get concerned. But up to this point, how have you felt about JaVale McGee?
2: Yeah, I think JaVale has done pretty much what I would have thought he would have done. I think he's been active defensively. And, yes, he fouls early and often. But in a backup five role, I'm not really that concerned about it. He consistently gives energy it, Make some decent passes at times. It's kind of like Drummond; like you kind of have some of those kind of you know head scratching moments. Sure, but I, I like what he's shown. I don't know about the sky hooks, but he he has shown flashes of those before. But we'll have to. Might want to rain that back a tad bit. But I, I like. I think he does more good than bad, and is another. Real rim protector that is is not going to give a easy basket. So I, I'm I, I'm a big fan of his for the Cavs.
0: Just the energy he brings to the floor when he comes into, I think is you wouldn't you know, think he's an important too, part. The way he plays, you wouldn't. No, you, you really wouldn't. And for him to be coming to you know this team from the Lakers where he just won a championship, going from you know the Warriors to the Lakers to here, right? Like a, a, a completely different you know scenario that he's in it's like, a completely different you know it's like reverse culture shock or something kinda yeah and you you have to give Javeil McGee credit because he has not let it affect his play at all you know he's still bringing that energy he's been you know a pro's pro through it all so yeah I'm, I'm a fan of what we've seen from Javel up to this point again I think <laughs> there's nothing on the floor I mean I, I'm with you that it kind of again in the same sense of Drummond, maybe tries to do a little bit too much with the ball at times. Some of the sky hooks or just some of the overall post moves, like a few of them have gone in, but way too many more have ended in you know kind of bad misses. So you know dial that back. But even if you don't, it's a couple shots a game. It's not the end of the world. But yeah, overall, big big Javale McGee fan. Think he's done well. I have to ask the question: How many? Games is the made three streak gonna last?
2: So is it three
0: right now? It's three right now. Is Play. it gonna get to four? Is it gonna get past that?
2: I'll, I'll I'll roll the dice and say it's five.
0: Five? Yeah. I'm gonna say it gets. I'm gonna say he makes one against the Pacers. But you know I what? Have, no. What is his jersey number? Dark.
2: His jersey number six. I'll go with
0: six. Six. Why not? Fair logic. Fair logic. I like it. Um, We'll get on. We'll keep moving down the bench. Dante Axum against the Sixers had a nice night. Six points, four assists, six rebounds. Your boy. My boy. We got to love it. Um, Struggled, again, I'll say, like everyone else against the Knicks. Had, I believe, like one rebound, a couple assists. But um, I I think we keep getting more of the same from Dante where – Yeah, some of the passes aren't good, but some of them are. Like, again, like, six assists is not. You're not just gonna get, you know, a regular night with six assists from a below average passer. Like, yes, some of the reads he makes are bad. Some of the passes he throws are lazy. But I think he's continued, at least in that game, to show a little bit of an instinct to score, a little bit of an instinct to share the ball. I think he's been good defensively. Again, he's not super versatile there, but he's wiry and strong. And I think he's done a good job being active there. Um, Yeah. He struggled against, against the Knicks. Um, The outside shot was not falling for him. I I like the Dante Axum corner threes. And I think those have gone in at a fair rate. I think that's a good just chance to catch and shoot. Obviously that's a higher percentage shot. The wing threes have looked ugly though.
2: Yeah, that's, the key for him is hitting those or, or the corner ones, yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm starting to come around to Exum. I'll admit, um, he's I don't know. He like when he can kind of get like I don't know how, but he can get down the floor like in a hurry at times. Like I don't even it's, he's so it's, long. It's, I mean, it is just like deceiving. It's almost Trevor Lawrence speed just because he's he's rangy that he can get down there quick. But it's. Then you just fall back down to earth and realize in settled offense, just very limited. And it's – when he – if – he's okay as a passer. I mean, I don't know. He's not bad, I guess. It can make – he can kind of get guys like at least in their spots and – but I don't know. It's not as much of a passer as like a primary ball mover. I don't know how to describe it, but –
0: I will say he did – pass up a wide-open Darius Garland in the corner against the Knicks to take his own shot. Again, one of those wing threes that was a bad miss. I think that was short uh, shot clock, though. I think it was. I, was it? I I, well,
2: I, think I don't it, think it was. I, like, he could like, definitely he, he passed it. it to him. But yeah. I don't know. It, to me, it's all, I, I kind of can't blame bench guys at times for kind of looking out for themselves a little, because you want to get into the flow of the game and I think maybe that was – you kind of see that a little bit for him, but he's a pretty heady player. I mean, the intentions are there for him, and defensively he is good. Like, I have to give him credit for that, but I just always wonder in the back of my mind with Hexum if he really has to have, like, a, a real um, – on like, real, like, playmaking slash, like, backup lead guard role. It just scares me just because he's so injury-prone and brittle, and – uh, and he's he looks put together again. It's it's very odd, and the injuries really aren't related that he's had. So uh, it's it's hard to say with Exum, but the more like if the Cavs were to sign him or re-sign him, I, I I couldn't blame him because in theory he can help young guards, and it seems like he's a guy that's very bought in. Doesn't not going to be a guy that's just going to be like trying to kill it in a career year or in a contractor, he's not one of those guys. Um, I'm sure as a culture guy, uh, but with him, the more you're banking on him to stay healthy in a legitimate on-ball role, it's, it's just you're kind of playing with, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say in that way, but the intentions are good with him, and he's still fairly young. So, could he be a long-term, maybe rotational player? Sure. But I think the Cavs, or people think they can paint him into being a deli, and offensively, he's just not. He's not that,
0: no. Yeah, I I, I like I, I like where Exxon is at as far as, yeah, I think we're in a position right now where we could see him extend with this team at the end of the season. Like, I, I, again, I think – He's continuing to play well enough to where he hasn't lost his role. Now, when guys start coming back, that's when it starts to become a little bit more of a problem. We can get into that here soon. But I like what I've seen from Dante. I continue to, again, There's he's not a perfect player. you know. On a good team, he's not a rotation player probably. I don't know. Right See, now. That's, that's
1: the thing but, with Exum,
0: though. I think
2: on good teams, the way he plays, if he's kind of locked yeah. into a defensive role, I think he actually – Almost fits better in that way. Yeah, I,
0: that's, I guess that's That's fair. the
2: torn feeling I have about him. But
0: yeah, I, it's it's tough. I guess, like yeah. he,
2: he does he's an he's an impact defender and I, with decent length. I, I mean, I it's it's I'm torn just because I don't know how long he's actually going to be available for.
0: Yeah, I guess when I say that, I, I'm. I guess I mean like this version of Dante where we do see him with the ball a lot more and we kind of okay. see him. Well, initiate offense. I, I think yeah. If he in, can get to like the a, foul line, it,
2: it it which he can do to an extent, it's fine. But you just aside from transition, I, I just don't know offensively what you can rely if you can rely on anything with something that That's corner the
0: threes. That's the issue. Corner threes. That's but, that's what you if
2: can you're, rely on. If you're thing. playing the one corner threes are not going to happen that that organically. <laughs> that's the problem.
0: And that's where I kind of think like on a good team is he, is he your one. Or does I, he just kind I of play think that he's off kind of supporting like a situational
2: defender that plays twelve minutes a game? I think that's more of what yeah. it is. I, I think, Which yeah. is not that's not like a slate. No, that's not a bad him, thing. But no. clearly the extension that he got before was just
0: an abomination. Well, we'll get into Damian Dotson here, the other kind of guard fighting for minutes here near near the end of the rotation. Um against the Sixers had five points, a rebound and an assist against the Knicks in the real revenge game, not the preseason revenge game had five points, two rebounds, two assists. I would say between those two, Aksum is still ahead in the minutes battle. Um, Early on in the preseason, you know, he he had a, got off to a hot start shooting the ball. That's come back down to earth a little bit. Uh, I I still trust him more than Aksum as far as a guy who can just get you a shot. I don't think that that's really debatable, but, um, Overall, where are you at with with Damian Dotson and what he's been doing so far? I love
2: Dotson. I'm really a huge fan of his. I I just think – I mean, yeah, five points is not something to write home about. But for a guy that is – you would think plays – when he plays maybe 13, 14 minutes, it's not bad. And he really hasn't had a ton of opportunities with the ball. And I just think it's just the presence of him, how he moves without the ball – is it makes heady winning plays whenever he's on the floor, and defensively, he's he's solid. Um, really moves his feet well, cuts, rarely gives up penetration, and I, I just the more I watch him play, the the more I think even with Porter in the fold, it's it's a hard guy to keep off the floor. It, it, like I just think. If it again, I still think it'll eventually become down or come down to between him uh, and Exum for minutes when Porter's back in the fold, and I, I will always go with Dotson over Exum. That's just my opinion because defensively, he he can make a lot. He can legitimately make things happen. Uh, I, I really honestly I saw enough of him on the Knicks. He can guard one to three like f- fairly well. Like he's. He's a sturdier 210. Like, he's pretty solid. And battles off the ball, Gets takes great angles. And on the ball, if you give him chances, he can make things happen in pick and roll. And is a real, like, a versatile all-around shooter. And it's – I just – behind closed doors, I just feel like bigger staff understands he needs to get minutes.
0: Well, I feel like behind closed doors, the answer so far has been Exum. I think that that was kind of, you know, the guy who they kind of said is, hey, between these two guys, Exum is going to get minutes. That was when, you know, we had a mostly healthy roster with well, Okoro in the well, fold. What has and he done? Windler has and Windler and Has he Lund. outplayed Do- – has he had more of an
2: impact than Dotson's had? Uh, I don't see it because uh, Dotson has hasn't Has Dotson
0: an- had more of an impact than well, Exum at this point? I, like, I just think – Dotson can score. I guess Dotson's, the, Dotson's presence on the floor is an impact that, alone because, again, just the spacing he, aspect.
2: He can make high-difficulty shots, can make step-backs, can make sidestep plays. I mean, for as much as Exum has the ball, I don't really know what he does with it. And Dotson, I, I mean, he makes, for a guy that's not a pass-first player, Is a has pretty good passing sense and – He's passed up a number of shots for better shots for others on a number of occasions already, and he did that in the preseason. I just think if he actually got like when he was on the Knicks in that, I think it was the second year he played twenty-seven minutes, averaged eleven. And if Exum plays twenty-seven minutes, like on a regular basis, what does he get? You four, and
0: six. I don't know if he's getting six rebounds. Or a no, si- four rebounds, six assists. Maybe like six four and four, yeah, maybe okay. six three right, and four. That's fair, but
2: I just I don't think there's a massive, I guess, defensive difference between Dotson and Exum. I guess in I don't know. It just seems like Exum is painted as a stopper of sorts, and I don't, I don't. And I'm not saying he's. I like his defense. I do, but I I just think weighing the two, I have to give the minutes to Dotson. And it's, just I, I I'm always going to go with a guy that can shoot that over a guy that can't. That's just my opinion. That's fair because well, you can we, engineer we can kind of get into. playmaking opportunities if you're a shooter. Where it's not yeah, the opposite, really.
0: No, no. Looking at just kind of how rotations will change with this team, you know, when guys come back, like we said, rotation players are out. You know, Okoro, Windler, KPJ, Love are all going to be in the rotation when they come back from injury. You know, that's four guys, you know, of which Love is probably going to play at least 25 minutes. Okoro probably going to play, what, 30 minutes at least? You probably want to get KPJ at least 25 minutes, you know, 20 to 25. You probably want to get Windler 15 to 20. Like, that's a lot of minutes being taken back up. I, I guess, you know, looking you know past the battle of just Exum versus Dotson for a minute... Do we see either of them get minutes? I, th- I guess you look at a guy like Dean Wade, who's been in the rotation a little bit. Dean Wade, by the way, had three points and four rebounds against Philly, and I'm liking what we're seeing from Dean Wade. Yes, um, he, you know, I think I, he's I've
2: been honestly really impressed from Dean Wade. Like, yeah, he, you, like were, he's you looking, were on that early, and he's he's looked really good. I, I got to be honest like about he, that.
0: He he looks like an NBA player. He's moving. Really well again. I still like him laterally as a defender. Oh, definitely. Like, I thought he was going to get blown by a lot, and that's not been the case. And I think he's turning into a much more confident three-point shooter too. That's all it was. It's not like he couldn't shoot, and he could shoot at K-State K- too.
2: And it was just the lack of confidence, just because he wasn't really playing. It's it's hard to hoist and pick and pops when you're not really getting like any other touches. I I couldn't blame him for that. And it's just nice that he initially has been, has been able to get minutes. I think it's a guy that, even if like if and when Love is back in the fold, I think he's another guy that it's it's kind of nance asking that he can play the three a little bit too. And in kind of jumbo lineups, he did it slightly. I think against uh, I think against Philly, and I just think that he's. Almost kind of like a quasi like rim protector too, and I just think it's an interesting element. He he's, he can pass a little bit. Um, does he'll turn it over some? But I think it's a guy that can move really really well. And it, I don't know. It's it, the way it's lining up. The Cavs have a number of good like roster problems for Bickerstaff, and I think that's. You can just tell he's – the guys are understanding how to play systematically, not as much where they have to assert themselves. Uh, Or I guess – I don't know. It's just there's more of a sense of team overall concept at both ends of the floor. You're seeing that play out with these kind of role guys that seem like they just know how to play better. Yeah, that's fair. Like I I don't Uh, see that from – when they, ha- I didn't see that. When they had, like, how how would uh, it just seemed like Eczema would just kind of get lost with Beeline, and that's I'm not blaming yeah. him for that at all. And Nance was even the same way, but we're just it, it's I don't know the these guys seem to complement the role pieces seem to complement the key pieces very well, and very well. I just I, I've been very encouraged in that sense.
0: Looking back at, you know, this kind of rotation problem, though, we were talking about, you know, I I, I think we've already seen, you know, Dean Wade is not going to be an every night's minute guy. There's just, there's not enough room for him. Do we see, like, either of, of Dotson or Exum being consistent minutes guys when everybody's healthy on this team? Like... I feel like they're both guys who are going to get shots here or there. Um, obviously, Bickerstaff said that D- Exum was the backup point guard. Like I said, when everyone, mostly everyone, was healthy. But when we get a guy like KPJ back in the fold, Windler, Okoro, Love, even Deli, who's you know, I mean, he's probably not a rotation guy, but he's another guy who's just not a healthy body right now. Do we see either of these guys getting consistent minutes in the rotation in your eyes? Because I say I think I say no at this point. I think
2: Dotson is the one just because he – we haven't seen it yet play out, but he's a high-level shooter, and you have to – I think the way Bickerstaff is, he understands that if a guy can shoot and even create on the ball for himself, it's it's a guy that – it's it's hard to never like just not play him and give him a DMP. And I just think with Dotson, he's – Oh, very alert defensively. He's a much improved team defender too. Um, has grown into that, and I, I, I like Exum. Is uh, like in theory, he is a seems like a smart player, but it's it's hard to not for me to see Dotson just not in the fold at all, just because um, he is a vet. I guess I'd call him a vet at this point, and. Just moves really well doesn't you don't have to like draw a ton of things up for him for him to to have an impact and his presence. I think more than Exum on the floor is makes more of a a legit impact just for other guys and himself. And I think it's a guy that you can put in in a number of situations and he can gel with a number of guys uh, that are like key on ball guys. I don't see that with Exum. And that's why I think he'll definitely be a legit guy to watch going forward.
0: I just I, – well, I, I understand the case there. And another thing that I just kind of well, want to say is – I think he can is, play that's the 3-2. That's what I was I just think, about to say. Because he, he did it in yeah, New York, and I think he can do it. He, he can play a little bit of small forward as well. And I think if you're just going to look at, you know, a guy to get spot minutes, whether it's just, you know, a five- or six-minute stretch here or there, I think – See, I think yeah, it could the be. Shooter. I think it's
2: with him. I think you could get him in like four two minute stretches, and he'll or that or, yeah. or I mean like four two minute stretches and maybe one other like four minute stretch. But I, yeah. I think it's a guy that could be in in closing time, and that's that's kind of the argument for me over Exum, who I don't see that being the case.
0: And I think what I was gonna say is, you know, with a guy like Dotson, who is a shooter. I think when you have just those limited minutes and you know just kind of a spurt here or a spurt there, it's easier for a guy like Dotson to make an impact exactly. just because you can shoot the ball. You can come in and you know make a shot, and you've done your job at that point. Basically, if you're only going to play a two minute stretch, right? And, <laughs> and I think X-S1 with him, I think he's also a guy that in certain
2: situations, like Bickerstaff might just want to like guard the point of attack, like that. Sort of thing too. Um, I just honestly, I think he's laterally. I just think it just looks like he moves better than Exum, who's who is fine in that way somewhat. But I think he's he's still got a little bit of heavy feet. Every time I watch him play, like he'll occasionally get Dante beat, has heavy feet uh, a little bit. I, don't, he, I think it's just more because he's more wiry, like it, as you kind of alluded to. I think yeah. he's. I think he's more, honestly, more comfortable guarding. Like, I don't know. It, it's Away more. From it's ball? more so Almost like or... size on the ball. And I just I think he's much more impactful as a helper. Where Dotson, I think, yeah, like in legitimate stretches is better on the ball.
0: That's the only thing. But i That's neither here nor there. Yeah, I, was, I, I don't know. I I might still take Dante Exum on ball. Um He's, the, he's definitely I, not I mean, bad. I just
2: think people paint him as a more of a kind of lockdown guy. That, and it's just, it's he's just not, not a lockdown guy. Because he follows no. a fair amount for a bench player. Yeah. That's the yeah. only problem.
0: At the end of the day, though, I really I kind of feel like once you get all of these guys in the fold, it's going to be I a just, bunch of good I, I, problems. It's going to be, yeah, it's fine problems to have. But I just think you, you definitely have to value the wings minutes of Okoro, Windler, KPJ over the minutes of a Dotson or an Exum. Uh, oh, I think that yeah, that's definitely true, no doubt. Yeah, I, I think
1: also seeing, younger, you know,
0: so. yeah. But see, seeing Dotson or Exum in in you know either a four minute stretch or a couple two minute spurts is more realistic. But I don't think that I, I don't know if that's going to be every night from either of them. I just think that you. you I mean, you, you, again, like I said, Okoro 30 minutes, KPJ 25, Windler 20. So, like, that's, that's a lot of guys who need, you know, a fair amount of minutes that play that wing position kind of or guard position, whatever. So, how does Delhi weigh into it then? I just don't think that Delhi really gets in the rotation. Like, I, I think I, I've said this before, and I think that Delhi might be a slightly more impactful player than Channing was in his last year. Just at, at, at the stages of the, their career that they're in, but I think he's essentially going to play the Channing Fry role of just being the, the guy off the bench, the the fan favorite, a good mentor for everyone, a, a, an adult in the room, but I don't really see him factoring into the rotation.
2: Yeah. Unless other injuries occur. That's the big F, though, and I, I, I hate saying it, but I just think that's going to happen with Hexum. I, I and, really hate saying that, but... And the other thing is, and with COVID things too, like that's another oh, thing you have that. to consider. Like, it's a, yeah, also, I mean, I hate saying this too, but Porter is somewhat injury prone too. Like, I mean, a he missed, he missed yeah. what. A ten game stretch last year, and then and, yeah, an extended period of time. And and in college, would didn't he miss what like twelve games or something that was like a quad injury? I'm not sure exactly about so, yeah, about uh, his college, but I know it, he did miss some time. He's a uh, that's again another reason why I think he should be playing the one most of the time when he's in, just because he is thin and. Where Exum on it. I mean, he's fairly. It's just it's baffling to me why he gets hurt. I just don't understand it because he's he's solid. And you're talking about Exum? Exum. I think he's solid. I mean, what is he? Two. I mean, He's, yeah. he's
0: what two fifteen? He's a he's a little bit thin too. Kind Maybe of a lower sense of KBJ. half, but not.
2: I mean, a lot of basketball players. Well, most of, of his injuries have it.
0: been lower half thin. I mean, yeah. I guess that's fair. But I I think it, a lot of it's just been bad luck, though. I, I don't... That's fair, too. I, I yeah. don't know. Like, I think it's always kind of bad luck with these guys, though. I mean... Yeah. It, it, yeah, he had an ACL tear, and he's, you know, he's, ankle injuries all the time. But I feel like if you have bad luck once with an ankle thing or a knee thing... Yeah. It's, you know, much more likely to happen again.
2: Yeah. And, I don't know, I, I think Delhi eventually is going to have to play
0: it some, but... There will come a time this season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, there's always kind of a stretch there. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. At least, uh,
0: I guess, no Matt Mooney in the fold. Darn. No, no Matt Mooney two way minutes to, to come into play here so he can come in the game and do absolutely nothing. But um, one more thing I did just want to kind of touch on. I kind of forgot to earlier. I, I believe it was against the Knicks. We got to see the Andre Drummond, JaVale Begui minutes on the floor at the same time. Tell me that that's going to be something we're seeing moving forward. Uh, I was just kidding about that, by the way. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, I didn't really know how to respond, but
2: yeah, like, please, I, I please God,
0: no. I uh, Again, against, we, we kind of did this with Thon Maker a little bit in the preseason, and against a team like the Pacers, which was before where you have DeMontis and Miles, it makes a little bit of sense... Um, against the Knicks where you have Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle makes a little bit of sense, but do you think that that's something that we see like at all moving forward? I mean, we saw it tonight. There's obviously a chance it could happen again, but
2: I guess for a couple minutes, maybe every now and again, but I ugh, it's, it's just not something you really want to see. I don't know. I, I just think offensively, like it's just pretty much pick and roll with one of the two, and the other crashes the glass, and that's it. I guess you're just, if you're just free th- like free throw hunting, okay. But there's just no flow offensively. Like that's the biggest problem.
0: Although Javale McGee has proven to be a floor spacer. Yeah, so oh, that's um- true. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. But um, before we get out of here, this this coming up, you know, coming up on the schedule, I guess I should say. Cavs have the Pacers and the Hawks. This will be the Cavs' third matchup of the season against the Pacers, obviously because of those two preseason matchups. Uh, two teams that you know seem to know each other a little bit. You know, as of right now, we'll see who plays in this game. Um, Okoro, Windler, I expect to be out. Uh, Love, I expect to be out. Do you know what the timetable is for for Delhi right now? I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything, no. And again. Exum is kind of the wild card right now. Uh, reports that I've seen are that maybe you know he's he's close to rejoining the team, but even when he does, there's probably going to have to be a quarantine period, and KP, you know we'll see KP, how long all right. that takes. KPJ, who did I say? Exum. Oh well, yeah, I, I meant to say Kevin. Board yeah, Jr. I, I was. My bad. I was. Because would there there have to be with Delhi too, or or no? I guess. Uh no, because he's I th- he's probably still with the team. He just yeah is yeah, he was in concussion protocol last I saw? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, I guess yeah, because yeah, be daily testing music. stuff. But so, Porter wouldn't be having been daily
2: tested. I, I don't. I'm not sure. I,
0: I just think purely because he's been away from the team, you have there's a quarantine period. Maybe even if he's been tested some, yeah. I think, yeah, you're right. Yeah.
1: I'm not. I'm not. I like I, debating this, you. I just.
0: I just clarify Yeah, is all. Yeah, I think that that's how that goes. Yeah, the NBA. By the way, today I think it was today they came out. Zero out of 495 tests came back positive, which is very impressive for a non-bubble situation.
2: Yeah, especially
0: the what happened with the Browns, unfortunately. Yeah, shutting down the practice facilities again. But um, yeah, the Cavaliers have the Pacers, who again we've seen a bunch uh, two teams that you know for this stage in the season know each other pretty well. And then one of the hottest teams in the league, the Atlanta Hawks, who I believe along with the Magic, who they play after that, are one of the two undefeated teams left. How do you feel about these two games coming up? Um, I think the Pacers one is obviously a winnable one. But again, the Cavaliers have a lot of guys out. Um, we'll have to see. You know, I, I think the Pacers pretty much have everybody at this point. Like TJ Warren is back. Uh, Victor Oladipo is here. So this game will be a test, I think. Like again, we'll have to. Say, I think TJ Warren will be kind of a swing factor here because he's been dealing with some foot injuries. Like I think he has plantar fasciitis, I believe. But um, not really having a true wing defender outside of Nance is going to be slightly troubling there. Um, but overall, we'll see what happens. And the Hawks are <laughs> the Hawks right now. They're they're again they're just playing. Great overall. They're yet to lose a game. But uh, any predictions for these two?
2: Hmm. I'm going to say the Cavs beat the Hawks. I'm going to say they kind of grind it out. Um, I'll say Drummond just kind of feasts. Uh, but – and Colin always kind of has it out for Trey Young a little bit. I think he kind of targets him for whatever reason. But um, – I, I think the Cavs are going to get chewed up and spat out against Indy. Just the way they move the ball is surgical. Uh, Brogdon is always a, always a problem, and I, just the way Sabonis is playing right now is he, he's been unbelievable. And uh,
0: he was player of the week, wasn't he? Uh, I can't, can't remember. I think he was Eastern Conference player of the week. You're probably right. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, he he,
2: I don't know. He's, he's looking really, really good. But, yeah, I, I just think the way they move it, I think the Cavs are probably going to get into really foul trouble. I would think Nance probably would. Sabonis is a tough matchup for him. And I, I almost wonder, like, should they put Drummond down Sabonis maybe? But I, I don't think they'd want that. Uh, just from, like, a help standpoint, I think they'd, they'd want him in a helper role. But I, I don't – I just feel like they're uh, – the backcourt might be – they might do okay. But I, I just think Indy's – I just feel like Savonis is going to eat Nance up. And, and not to, like, discredit him, but it's it's a tough matchup. And for the Hawks, yeah, I, I think the Cavs will be able to get up and down. I think they'll it'll be a fun game, and I think they'll kind of grind it out. By getting to the foul line, like conversely, and I think Indy will get to the line and kind of live there.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the status is with Onyeka Kongwu's injury. Yeah, that's what um, I was just
2: going to say. I'm not certain there.
0: So that, that'd that be an interesting – at that point, he's going to be making his NBA debut. I don't know if he's really going to be a contributor. Right. And that game, you know, maybe – again, we'll have to see. But, yeah, I'm going to say the Cavaliers lose to the Pacers but then bounce back against the Hawks. I don't think the Hawks' hot streak is going to last forever. Um, I think the Cavs will be in a good position there to to win that game. It is unfortunate, so,
2: though, that we're not going to see uh, round two of Okoro and Jakar. Uh, that's that's, <laughs> that's unfortunate, but.
0: Maybe, may, okay, it's probably not going to happen, but there is a chance that we could see Jakar, Lamar, Stevens. Hmm. Okay. Which, I mean, there was a little bit of back and forth there, too. I yeah, mean, Lamar bit. was that's the guy fair. who picked up the technical. Yeah, so. that's that's true. Yeah. Let's get some Lamar minutes against the Pacers. Yeah, maybe. All right, Dan, anything else to add before we get out of here?
2: No, no taglines this week.
0: No taglines this week? That's all right. I did
2: see that, uh, well, off the beaten path here, but Nance is a big fan of it, so that's the caveat. Um Swenson's—you can get a triple galley boy apparently. So, I kind of—I I don't even know what that I, is. I think <laughs> I think uh, Nance like retweeted it or, or somebody—I don't know how it came up that I saw it. But
0: explain to me what that is. I, I don't, don't even—I've never I, been to Swenson's. Don't they don't have it in Northwest like, Ohio.
2: Oh, you've never? Oh, you're not a Swensonite.
0: I—I'm not. Oh, Again, I, I'm, I just remember
2: uh, that's Shind- a
0: Cleveland area thing. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I
2: just remember Schindler said he was big into it. Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, I know, it's just like this burger joint that originated near, I think, like a mile from the Hall of Fame, like football Hall of fame in Canton. But um, I don't know. it's just like a really, like, I guess, like Cleveland, like, burger, like, I, I mean, it's fast food, but I'm obsessed with it. I get it all the time. But I don't know. Larry Nance is like a huge Swenson's person, like big fan. And I, I, I sorry, that's my miscommunication there. But. If you're ever around Cleveland, Akron area, please, please get to one since you won't be uh, I, and get a galley boy. It's just like there's like tartar sauce on it. And then like this, their buns are phenomenal. I don't even know what they do with those. But and they have this barbecue sauce. It's awesome. They have, they have like a lot of weird things in their menu. Great shakes, but it's all all really good. So that's it for me.
0: Well, it's it's to be seen. The next time I'm going to be in Cleveland, uh, probably I, I don't know. The next time I'll oh, be at a game. And one last but, thing,
2: uh, did you see the Cavs or that or report, or maybe it was Joe Varden about them letting fans in?
0: Yeah, I did. It was a positive. Uh, you know, step. Getting, yeah, it's it's a, it's a step in the right direction. I think. I yeah, you know, I mean, I'm okay with letting that many fans into the games. Yeah, like, that makes sense. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Don't don't fill it up. I don't know. I think it was the magic we're putting a ton in there. Yeah, Florida I don't is remember. just really. Uh, uh, they've had little, little
2: restrictions, really. For,
0: Florida's Florida's doing their own thing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they they may have well may as might as well have seceded at this point. So, <laughs> but um yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll try to make it a point to to get Swenson's at some point when I'm in the Cleveland area the next time. All right. But um, with that. Thank you, everybody out there so much for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed listening, subscribe. Don't miss future episodes. Go listen to some past episodes. Get on with Thrive Fantasy. Make yourself some money there. Plenty of money to be given out this NBA season. Uh, Leave a rating, leave a review, all that good stuff. And we will see you next time. Thanks, as always.
1: to get started
0: Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central Be on the lookout for another episode coming
1: soon